Hey everybody, welcome back to the Voices for Blogging podcast. Uh, this is our fifth episode, which if we measured it in Star Wars terms, this should be the best one we ever made. You can follow us on our Instagram page at Voices for Blogging. Uh, you can also find our episodes on the Podbean app. And now, Roycey, so exciting, we can be found on the Apple Podcast app. Moving on up. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. Royce, how, Royce, how are we doing here, man? I, I, I hear we have a guest today. You want to introduce him? Yeah, definitely. So we have a special guest today. It's my business partner, Ken Ye. Hello. How you doing, Ken? Nice to meet I'm, you. I'm good. Nice to be on the podcast with you guys. I've heard a lot about it. <laughs> from from one person, uh, one of the, what from from one of our two followers, one of, one of uh, two listeners. <laughs> that's right. Nothing wrong uh, with that. Hey, we almost got to fifty, Roycey. We almost got to fifty downloads. Oh, hey, you know what? That's that's fifty more than uh, I thought we would get. So that's, that's yeah. <laughs> those poor souls, as we say every yeah. week. But uh, yeah, to give a little background on Ken, uh, you know, he's my business partner, like I was saying. He's also a cryptocurrency expert, a entrepreneur, and at one point in his life, a professional gambler. That's right. I did. That's on the street, at least. That is <laughs> very true. Street. It's true. I was, I was at the Commerce <laughs> Casino. Uh, I quit my job because I was really tired of working. Um, I was doing you know, long hours. And then I decided one day, just, you know what, I'm going to quit my job and I'm play poker full time. And that's what happened. I went to Commerce Casino in, uh, in the city of Commerce for six months straight, eating their free buffets at the high limit tables. And I lost probably like 20 or 30 grand during those six months. <laughs> so that's what I knew. That was not the right profession for me. <laughs> All it takes is uh, one, World Series, one World Series of Poker win, dude, and you, uh, you can make yeah, it see, back. See, it's, oh, that no. it's, it's that mentality that gets Roycey in trouble with gambling all the time, though. He has this, well, all it takes so is one. Sto- oh, sorry. I, I got so many stories to tell you about uh, professional uh, poker gambling. Because, um, you know, it's one thing to, to see the World Series of Poker on TV. But when you're playing these cash games, you know, I play High Limit low, uh, Hold'em, uh, No Limit Hold'em. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 all, it's a hustle. Everything's a hustle on those tables. It's not like the way they portray it on like ESPN, you know, it, it is completely different. Um, and, and when you figure out like you've been hustled, you just go on this crazy, yep. like, you know, you, you just go, go crazy and, and, and yep. start dumping your money away, you know, and you go on tilt and just blech, I call anything and go all in on anything. And it's right. horrible. It's just like a mind game. Yeah. Wow. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a huge mind game, right? I mean, you really are playing the people around you, not actually your cards half the time. I mean, yeah, but it's not about the cards at all. It's, it's that's about my the, point. Uh, it's, that's it's my point. Like they try to, to try to sucker you in. And, and then yes. when you do, you know, you, you figure out like you've been suckered and you just go on tilt and then you lose everything in front of you. Yep. Wow. For sure. Awful. Playing the people. Playing the people. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> playing the people. I'm, try, I'm uh, sure that, you've got a lot of stories. <laughs> I- <laughs> it's that old adage, if you can't find that sucker in the room, the sucker is you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. you know, I, think, I think the poker stories may be for another podcast, though. Oh, yeah, no. So- oh, we're, gonna, we, we're, we're not going to go we- over those today? Because there's probably so many of those go over. Where do we start? Like, oh, how about election? Have you been following the election at all? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's been crazy. Over here, you know, we had our, our polls didn't close here 
until about 9.30 at night because they not everyone could get their vote in. Wow. I, I mean, here it's – we're still counting votes in California. So, like, a lot of races are – like, house races are not settled here. Yeah. Um, all these absentee ballots are still not arrived yet because they're still in transit. So, I mean, for those tight races – no, there's a bunch of tight races in California too. I mean, that's the most interesting thing about the 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 election as a whole. Like we, a lot of a lot of the results are you know it's delayed gratification, and in today's world of instant gratification, it's driving people crazy. Very true. Very true. I mean, yeah. I, I know I'm eager to find out, you know, just who the president is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for sure, right? We don't know for sure uh, right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's gonna be a long drawn out thing. I mean, he's. He's going through legal battles, right? There's going to be recounts. We're probably not going to hear or get to the, get to the finalized results until you know maybe weeks from now. It seems like the market is liking what's happening, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think some stability is is always good for financial markets. So I think that the way that you know, if you look at Wall Street, how they've reacted to the election, uh, you see several days now. It's every, I mean, the day before the election, even the stock started going up because they're just people are eager to just get past this chaotic election and now that we're kind of past it you know we don't know the results but at least we're past the event uh you see it you know the market rally and you know the fact that you know there it looks like at least i mean we don't know for sure but it looks like biden might prevail and uh if he does prevail then it it's going to signal at least some normalcy uh back you know you won't you won't be seeing tweets uh you know every day about you know something important uh, you know, is I think that's people are just ready for some calm and, and stability, uh, and, and I think that's really good for the markets and probably good for the country. Yeah, I think that you know the markets are interesting, right? Because you know they're, they're always a indicator of something in the future. They're, they they trade on on things that they think are coming, and if you, if you think about the market and it's let's say it's predicting something six to nine months ahead of us right now, six months six to nine months from now, theoretically. You know, a form of a vaccine is out there. Theoretically, a therapeutic or multiple therapeutics will be available, uh, especially the one from Regeneron that looks like it's, you know, it's, it's showing some promise. And, you know, stability is in the future. And I really feel like you know, the markets are telling us, you know, we're not even worried about, you know, the, this, this ramp up in COVID cases in the next two months. We've already priced that in, 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 this, in the sell-off it had, you know, in the multiple sell-offs it's had between September and October, it's just interesting to watch, right? Because it's, it's, it feels toppy right now. I, you look at everything today, the Russell is at, it, at the top of his trading range. Big cap tech kind of stopped pretty close to their highs. I think Facebook kind of stopped right at about 298, 296, high of 300. It feels like there might be a little bit of a pause soon, if not tomorrow. Um, because, you know, the, the outcome of the election looks like we know what it is we just don't know when it's going to happen yeah i mean it's definitely gone up i think because of the stability that i think you know it's priced in a biden win right basically it already has right now but yeah yeah, but i think the other thing that's getting or is going to drive the market higher is once this election is over there's going to be another stimulus like mitch mcconnell's already promised to pass another another stimulus and that injection of money into the into the economy is going to be Something that I think drives the market up even higher. But the question is when. That's that's going to be the question. It's when. Yeah. You know, it, it, go ahead, Kat. I think I think it's interesting that you know. So first of all, I think Steve, you're right about just the fact that the market looks ahead, and and you know, Royce, you're also right about 
the stimulus being one of those things that are coming up. But I think even more important than that is just the fact that uh, the way this election turned out was, you know, if, if there's a word to summarize it, is, is gridlock. Because you've, you're going to have a, a Democratic oh, yeah. president. You're going to have probably a mm-hmm. you know, Republican Senate. And, mm-hmm. uh, and a House that's now going to be even more divided because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Democratic Party lost at least, I think, seven or eight seats. So it's very likely that, you know, that, that majority that they have is, is much more narrow smaller. than much smaller, smaller than 2018. Correct. So we're looking at a very, very divided uh, House of Representatives, very, very divided Senate and yeah. a president that's, you know, kind of moderate. I, I wouldn't say completely moderate, but, you know, more, more moderate than, you know, some of the other contenders, you know, prior, you know, when, during the primaries. So I think the market really likes gridlock. It doesn't like seeing a lot of change. And those like far left policies that people were worried about, you know, like, you know, the, the a bunch of them, right? Like, you know, defunding the police, yeah. The, yeah. the whole, yeah. you know, Black Lives yeah. Matter and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, yeah. those green, like Green New Deal. Yeah. Like those, those are too yeah. extreme. I don't think the country's ready yeah. for that. I don't, yeah. don't want to get into politics, but. We'll get our podcast canceled now. <laughs> no, but I'm not saying that those are good or bad things. I'm just saying that the country, no, but the country right. isn't ready for, no, for that yeah, kind of policy. I, I agree. I told uh, because country, there's a cost to that, yeah. and and I think because there's this divided Congress uh, and gridlock, none of those things that are possibly on the agenda on on the Democratic side are are looking likely to pass. And the market really likes that, right? Like for example, one of the most important things is taxes, and you know Biden's talked about increasing taxes. Right on businesses, on, on individuals, but if he if he doesn't have control of the Senate and in the House of Representatives, he's not going to be able to pass it. You know he's going to get he's going to get blocked. Uh, he, you know he's not going to be able to 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 raise the taxes that he's been talking about. So yeah. uh, I think Wall Street likes that. You know anytime you're you know you're so this kind of gridlock is good, um, and and the markets reacted. Even I mean of course the stimulus and you know all all the other things that are you know, the, the therapeutics, like you said, or the, uh, you know, the vaccine that's coming up, those are all great things. that's going to help boost the market even more. But I think overall, just the, the fact that the election came out and there's some, you know, look like, it looks like there's going to be some gridlock is actually really good. It makes yeah. it more predictable. It makes it more predictable in that way, you know, and that's what I meant when, you know, when we were talking about the stimulus is the question is when, you know, when you, when you, when you have this gridlock, you know, how are you going to, what's going to be the thing that not that the election's over, What's going to be the thing that gets these guys to actually pass it through? What's the motivation? The guys that are voted back in, they're back in. Is the, is the lame duck, are the lame duck members going to be voting? You know, do they you're want right. to get... Yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah. It's between, right? So yeah, it could be does, Trump, does Trump want to do it, you know, potentially with him being out of office in two and a half months? That's, that's a good point. I mean, if they don't, during a lame duck session, if they don't want to pass the stimulus... Yep. And we're probably not going to see that until what? March. January, yeah, maybe March of next year. Maybe March, March. February, March. March. I mean, yeah. The swearing in is end of, end of January, so right. very likely it's probably March. February. Maybe yeah. March. First, that, First that 100 be, days, right? I mean, that would be terrible for terrible for the people. Like you have Yeah, the people that need it. it. Yeah, people need it. Yep. Right. For sure. For sure. So if they don't pass it, I wonder how that's going to play out. I mean, that's, I mean it, that's, it, it's it's gonna be interesting. I mean, today I sold all my I sold all my cannabis place today. I had, I had <laughs> well done. I had, well done. I had I had my far out options in, in canopy today, and I just sold it because when you exactly what you were saying, Ken. I look at what's going on in the Senate and in the House. Like 
that's a that's a blue wave play like forget it there's no blue wave yeah. so i'm i'm selling it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna yeah. you know invest in that i'm not gonna wait for the pop there i'd rather wait for a pop in crypto you know whatever well so the, the other area actually the other area that we've been talking about that ken and i've been talking about uh, in the last couple of days is really with the uh, biden presidency that really is a positive uh influence on a lot of the china stocks right because sure under trump there's been a ton of you know rhetoric and trade wars with china with biden coming in it's going to be a lot more favorable than anything that, that trump has done you know so far yep. i think it'll be less chaos you know because trump tweets out things like or he even says it you know like kung flu yeah or, or like, things that are offensive <laughs> to asians in general you know like that I don't, that's not gonna I, <laughs> I mean this is awful right if you, if, you know I'm, I'm chinese for example and right. you know obviously when i hear that coming from the president of the united states you know it, it has a different impact on you know than just like because you know because i am chinese and I, and I hear that and imagine the people in china and when they hear that right uh you know it's it's offensive and he may not mean it that way oh he does but... oh he does <laughs> come on okay again, i don't i don't want to i don't put people in words they words in people's mouths or play politics here. i'm just saying like the fact that he says it that way uh offends a lot of people and so it can't possibly be good for the markets or good for our relationship with China, our one of our largest trading, the largest trading partner for the U.S. Um, you know, the trade wars on top of all these, you know, calling the China virus, calling out the, the, the you know, the Communist Party. Um, I'm not saying that he's completely wrong uh, to, to call them out, but the way he does it can't it's possibly the execution. help. Yeah. Yeah. It's the execution. The thoughts, the thoughts, the thoughts of revisiting a, a business agreement, revisiting some plans, that, that's all fine. That, that, that's actually really sound business thought. But the way he carried out these thoughts and tried to execute them, like, it's nuts. <laughs> yeah. It's not you know, diplomatic, right? I mean, and, let's and call it what it is. is important. Yeah, absolutely I mean, when not. you're dealing with cultures that are different than yours, it's, it's right? important to understand the other side and, and, well, and speak their language, right? Because ultimately, that, we're, that's what diplomacy is, right? And, and he's not diplomatic. But here's um, the and, funny and that thing about that. All sorts of problems. Here's the funny thing about that, though. That, but that's conversations with anybody. That that's any conversation you have on a, on any given day. That we should not understand where other person's coming from. You know, it, it, I think societally, it, it, as far as society goes, we definitely lost a lot of that. You know, in this culture of just speaking our mind behind a computer screen, behind a phone, on social media. You know, you know, I I teach kids. Uh, I teach. I shouldn't say kids, but young adults, I'm training, you know, I'm training people to do certain things in healthcare. And one of the biggest things we're focused on, uh, my partner and I focus on is their communication skills and really their lack thereof in face-to-face -face communication. Fantastic when you can post something on, on, on the internet or anything like that. But when it comes to an AB conversation, <laughs> terrible, just a, just a yeah. terrible skill set of understanding and listening really in the bottom line is listening. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. It's a lost art. Communication skills becoming a lost art. Oh, oh, it's pretty bad. Never mind writing. Just oral communication is a is a challenge. You know, because when you watch ESPN, all you see is people yelling at each other, right? They're just screaming and yelling at each other. It's, it's so tiring just to watching all that stuff. I mean, if you look at the movies, do you think that's because of like all the technology that we have nowadays, where people just instead of calling or you know talking to someone in person, like you text somebody or you message sure. somebody on, you know, Instagram sure. or whatever it is. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It's easier. And yeah. but then, mean, then, then you got the problem. People don't read. Yeah, that's true. People don't read anymore. <laughs> they don't yeah. read. They don't read. <laughs>
They don't even read the text you send them. You don't, they, don't, <laughs> they, they don't read the whole email you send them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean, I, I think the social media, I mean, I, maybe that's for a different podcast, but like, like I said, I think you're, you're right. You're, you know, I think you're getting to the, the, the point you're trying to make, I think, and I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, is that social media is really messing up people's communication skills and, and people misunderstanding each other a lot because of the way that things are communicated. And I, I think I, I totally agree with, all, with both of you about just the fact that we need to figure out how to talk to each other better than, you know, and social media makes it so, so easy for us to talk to each other in a very poor way, mm -hmm. poor way. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's, and you it's can't so take it back. Yeah. And it's so easy to misinterpret too. It's not like when you're communicating in person, like there's more than just the words that you're saying, it's your tone, it's your body language. It's all of that, right? That that's part of the communication. And when you have stuff that's online, it's easy to take it out of context or, you know, like yeah. read something into it. That's not really even there. And you can't, uh, and, and you can't take it back. That's the thing. You can't take, you it, can't back. take it back. Yep. You know, once it's out well, there, it's out there forever. It's out there. It's yeah. out there. Somebody screenshot it. Somebody say that even if you take it down, somebody has it. It's yes. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, have, I have three little kids at home. Right. And you know, uh -huh. my oldest is eight and I was telling my wife, like, um, honey, our oldest daughter, her name is Sarah. Like Sarah's not getting any social media accounts until she's 18 because I refuse to let her ruin her life before she turns 18. And, <laughs> you know, because like if she's a teenager and she tweets something, you know, offensive or, you know, bad or, you know, just, just, you know, something that's going to hurt her you know, in the future, there's no way of taking it back. Right. And so, yeah. and, you know, if somebody digs up that old tweet of hers, maybe when she wrote, when she's a teenager, and she, it ruins some opportunity for her in the future. Like, well, I don't want top, that to happen. You know? On top of that, it's what kind of feedback she gets from the internet uh, and social media if someone says something to her, you know, and how that affects her. And I think when I, you know, I've worked, I've worked with teenagers now for, God, over 20 years now. The only flaw in your plan is they'll find a way to get one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's going to happen that way. I'm just saying that's what I hope could happen. <laughs> As a parent, you try to protect your kids, right? I mean, that's what you're supposed Absolutely. to do. Absolutely. Sure it doesn't mean that you can always do it. You know, yeah, you can't shelter sure. them that much, but you can try. Because this is part of their world, right? At some point yeah. in time, you know, tech wasn't, tech was different for us when we were kids. Tech was yeah. different. It isn't what it is for these guys. Just make sure you don't keep any calendars of hers or any yearbooks of hers either. <laughs> you mean when she's like 15 all, years man. old? Oh, boy. <laughs> you can find it. You'll find it. Yeah. Dig it up. She wrote something yeah. bad on someone's yearbook, you know. Uh, haven't we all? Haven't yeah. we all? <laughs> Never write uh, for anything. We'll, 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 see, we'll see what happens with the market in the short term. The market's happy. You know, I took a little off the table today just because, again, I watch the ranges all the time. And the market has been pretty range-bound for a long time. And, yeah. you know, it, yeah, it's not, it's not going to go up forever. So you might as well just wait for another entry point and, you know, buy again. Yeah, I was telling Royce about kind of the outlook for the markets, you know, like kind of more longer term. I know the short term we have the, you know, the stimulus, you know, possibly a, a vaccine and, you know, some, some mm -hmm. positive news are coming up soon. Uh, but I was telling Royce, like, you know, uh, next year, for example, maybe later in the year, we might start seeing some inflation because Absolutely. When, yeah, the, okay. the reason yeah. there isn't inflation is because people can't go out and spend, you know, they're stuck at home. They're not eating out as much. They're, they can't travel, you know, they can't go out and travel in places. Um, and so you're seeing a very, you know, you're seeing inflation kind of in check. 
And I think the the bigger driver of the markets is going to be inflation and where the yeah, Fed is. Sure. Uh, I think that's the, the story is going to be in, about the Fed in 2021. And I, I think, think so. you're going to see towards the end of the year, uh, rising inflation, and you're going to see the markets maybe going down uh, yep. towards the end of the year because, yep. you know, it's it's rate sensitive, right? People start taking money yep. off the table because, you know, no, you can't, their easy money's gone. Uh, but well, I think... In the early part of the year, I think we're looking at a really smooth sailing because you know there's there's what I, I believe there's like 4.5 trillion dollars uh, kind of parked in money markets right now, just yeah. people sitting on the sidelines because they're watching the markets go up and they're kind of scared to kind of dip their foot in, uh, you know, with, the, with all the uncertainty with the election and and the virus, like people are kind of scared to kind of put their money to work, uh, but now that there's some you know uh, certainty with the election and some certainty with you know where the virus is headed, hopefully. Uh, that money's going to go into the markets. I mean, you can't get yields, you know, sitting in the money markets at earning what point something percent, right? And if you were scared to be in the stock market six to eight months, you're definitely not going to put that stuff in bad corporate yeah. bonds and oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, with great yields. But, you know, you don't know which city is going to go bankrupt, you know, anytime in the next, you know, 10 to 12 months. Uh, yeah, that's crazy, man. Like, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with everything. It's going to be interesting to see what the Fed does uh, as economic activity starts to tick up. You know, we're already starting to see some upswing and some activity, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Oh. Yeah, so let's transition from the stock market now to the to the cryptocurrency market because you guys are going to be the experts uh, on that topic on this podcast. And, you know, there's a lot I want to learn about this stuff, and I'm sure uh, our audience of <laughs> three would like to learn too. So yeah, definitely. Go so for like it. I don't know if you I don't know if you've been following the crypto market today, but it was a big day. I mean, it was, like the crypto market was up big. Bitcoin was touched 16k, I think today. Was came close to it. Uh, F is up to uh, 430. Like so, the two big daddies uh, in the market are are up pretty big. Uh, and I think that uh, there was a post on on Twitter earlier where uh, a lot of the people that were selling Bitcoin are. There's, it's very scarce now. Like it's hard to get anyone to sell it. And I think that means that a lot of the folks that were maybe selling or dumping Bitcoin during this multi-year, I guess, you know, ice age <laughs> for crypto, uh, they're gone. I think a lot of people are holding on to Bitcoin now. I think a lot of people are wanting to get into it. And that's part, I think part of the reason why today that there was, there was quite a big spike. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Royce. I, I think, uh, you know, in 2017 is when we saw the last time Bitcoin hit something anywhere close to 16K. And it was very brief. It was only for like maybe a couple months where it was, you know, at that elevated level. Uh, and back in, I think that was end of 2017, December, when when I think Bitcoin hit its all-time high of like almost $20,000 or, or yeah. just above $20,000. That was just for like a day. I mean, it didn't stay there. Yeah. Um, and, and I think uh, the difference between uh, today, where we are today with, with, you know, cryptocurrencies and where we were in 2017 is just that it's, it's much... Uh, the the people who are holding it, the, the the holders of the coins are are very different. Uh, in in 2017, you know the the Bitcoin whales they held a, a, a you know it was very very centralized into some of these uh, whales that just had tons and tons of these Bitcoin. Uh, and I think in 2020, we're looking at a much wider, broader uh, share a, a base of, of of holders of Bitcoin. And uh, when you have that kind of you know, you, you see a lot of hedge funds now kind of getting, mm -hmm. starting to get exposure mm -hmm. to Bitcoin. You see uh, there's these grayscale funds now where individuals can buy shares through the stock market, like the mm -hmm. grayscale, uh, the GPT, yep. the, the grayscale yep. Bitcoin. 
the yep. the Ethereum uh, the ETH yep. ETHE, which is the mm -hmm. uh, the Grayscale Ethereum. So you can get exposure to Bitcoin in different ways now, uh, and and because those methods are so e easily available, you have a much wider base of of investors in these cryptocurrencies, and mm -hmm. and so I think Royce and I were just talking about earlier today. Uh, it's more it seems it appears more sustainable than it was in 2017 uh mm -hmm. where it was only up to 20k for like a day where people kind of just full mode in and mm -hmm. then you know then start dumping it when they make their money like easy mm -hmm. cash right the cash grab and, and, and they and they leave i think this time around people are kind of holding it to to just be exposed to right. cryptocurrencies right and, and that's very positive for the the whole the whole industry in general right. yeah, so it definitely feels more organic yeah. The question I have for you guys now, since you brought up the ETFs, can you kind of lay out for our audience uh, what one of the trappings of using a ETF that tracks Bitcoin and Ethereum, or even if it holds some of it, what's some, what are some of the trappings of thinking, I'm going to buy that ETF, and that's going to be just like buying Ethereum, or it's going to be just like buying Bitcoin? Uh, I can take a crack at it. Uh, so I think the two main ones that people follow are the GBTC, the Grayscale Bitcoin Fund, and the uh, the Ethereum, the ETHE, which is the mm -hmm. you know the Grayscale Ethereum Fund. Mm -hmm. And those are actually the funds that uh, they're they're basically they hold the actual native coins. Mm -hmm. So there's a they actually hold the Ethereum. Like for example, the, the ETHE holds a certain amount of Ethereum, uh, and you you'll, and they usually there's a Twitter about that where they kind of disclose how much their net asset mm -hmm. value is, basically how much worth uh, per share of Bitcoin they have. Mm -hmm. So uh, usually when you buy those, those uh, ETFs, you're, you're getting ex exposed to like Bitcoin or Ethereum, but you're getting exposed, uh, you have premium. So I think the premium, and I don't right. quote me on this, but I believe the last time I checked was like eight to 10%. So you're, you're paying Ooh. a little bit more than if you just bought, went out and bought like Bitcoin or right. went out and bought Ethereum, like right. on a Coinbase account, uh, right. but you're buying it through a, uh, uh, a fund, which again, there's advantages, right? The first advantage, right. of course, being no custody. You don't have to worry about keeping your wallet safe or, or you know, Lose, um, losing a key. Yeah, losing a key or something. Yeah. So right. custody is a big deal, right? So you don't want to, if you don't, if you're not techie and you don't want to worry about storing your keys or, or the, the risks of you know, losing your money on an exchange, uh, you'd rather just hold that in a brokerage account. Well, that's the way to do it, right? You, but you're paying a premium, you're paying a small premium mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's nice to have that peace of mind. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of people prefer to do it that way uh, just mm -hmm. so that they don't have to worry about all the complexities of owning cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. Did those ETFs go up today in lockstep for the most part with the, with the uh, currencies themselves? You know, unlike, unlike the, you know, you have ETFs that track the price of crude oil, but because of, uh, because of expirations of contracts, you know, all that stuff like we saw earlier in the year where the where crude oil went to minus $36 for, for a little while. Is there any risk in that way to some of these ETFs where other, you know, that even though it, that, the, that the ETF won't necessarily track exactly the price of the, of the currency? You know, that's a really yeah. good question um, because what happened actually, if you look at the chart, for example, on ETHE, which is a, a pretty good example, uh, you'll see a, a huge disconnect between the value that uh, uh, the trading price of ETHE versus the net asset value of, of mm -hmm. the, the fund, right? So for example, net asset value uh, on the grayscale Ethereum was like, I think around, I don't know, $30, $30 at one point. Okay. And, uh, but the actual stock was trading at like 110, 120, maybe even higher. So like there's this huge disconnect, right? It's trading yeah. like a four times 
the net asset value, which makes no sense whatsoever because it should be like a small premium to the actual net asset value. Um, and, and there's a reason for that. And the reason was uh, on certain brokerages, I think on Fidelity, for example, you can actually buy ETHE and mm -hmm. lend it out to someone else that wants it. And you get like a, like a really, really high interest rate on that loan. Like you can loan out the shares and collect like a massive return on it. Really? Yeah. So people were like buying it like crazy because they're just buying it so they can lend it out to someone else that wants to buy it. So it's almost like a, I don't want to say a Ponzi scheme, but it was like, you know, people are just like buying it. Yeah. So they keep uh -huh. lending it. And uh -huh. um, it, it came crashing down, of course, as with anything, sure. right? Yeah. It's a house of cards. Right. It's not sustainable. Right. It's not sustainable, right. And, and so it, now it's back to where a, it should be like a normal price because, you know, I think that mechanism, I think they put a stop to it. Um, and I don't think you could do it anymore. But that's what happened with the price. Yeah. It's dangerous. Uh -huh. I don't, how did the SEC? How did how did SEC even allow that to happen? <laughs> I don't know. I don't That's know. Yeah. Again, yeah. I don't have the full story. I just I, I read about it and I I went to uh, Fidelity and I looked at it and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. You can That's actually insane. lend out your shares to someone that wants to buy it uh, and and get it like get like a I don't know like a like a fifty percent return on some like it was just some crazy return on on your investment. And I just, I'm not touching that. I'm like, dude, this is oh, too risky no. for me. I, that, that I, I, I never understood why the the price of that uh, fund, uh, that ETF was so high compared to the amount of assets that they held. That's it, that's why. Fund. Yeah, which is, I mean. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, how does the SEC allow that? You're right, yeah. you're exactly. right. Exactly, exactly. But it's that leverage thing though, right? You're talking about, Royce, that in the crypto world right now, there's some there's some questionable things happening with leverage. Is it in their market? Oh, that was yeah, that was in DeFi, uh, where basically like one of the ways that people were making money was they were depositing ETH and taking out like a stable coin, and then using that stable coin basically to borrow more ETH or borrow some other uh, other coin and then provide liquidity somewhere. And they're basically you know compounded loan and compounded loan and compounded loan. And they're getting great returns, but again, if you Somehow, like the price crashes, and you have to default. You have to unwind everything, and you could lose everything. You could get liquidated and lose all your assets. So it's it's risky, but also I think that was an initial rush in the whole uh, DeFi movement to to do those things. And the amount that you're getting in return now is is a lot more reasonable, I think, than they were in the beginning when you were getting like 100x, 200x. Uh, That's crazy. Of, uh, yeah. Hundred yeah, x. I mean, That's crazy. Yeah. The, the, I think the whole uh, decentralized finance uh, uh, industry is really, really interesting because like Ro Royce and I were, we, well, I think both of us, uh, Royce and I, we both tried to take out a, a loan, uh, um, uh, like, a, like a line of credit, you know, based, you know, with our properties. And it was just a, it was a nightmare. I mean, I, I oh, tried three awful. times with Bank of America to take out a, you know, home equity line of credit. And it was just, it was a complete nightmare. It was, it was so complicated. It was, it's tough. it took months and I got it's rejected tough. twice. And yep. it was just, you know, it was like, wow, who would want to go through this, right? Um, it's crazy. Yeah. It doesn't matter the amount of assets that you have. The only thing that matters is income. Yeah, income. income. Yeah, it's all based on it's income. All, it's all income. With decentralized finance, it's really interesting because like they, you don't even need to tell uh, anyone who you are. You could take out a loan or you can leverage your assets without any information about yourself. Yeah. All you need is a, a wallet and, you know, a, a, a way to deposit your, your collateral 
into this DeFi, you know, um, mechanism and you can take out money. And it's just, it's so crazy that we, we were talking about how simple that is compared to like, you know, the traditional finance where you right. have to go through all these hoops, you know, provide your tax returns, provide your income statement verifications, go through credit checks and right. this whole nightmare of a process. And on and the other the side, fallout? you got no, nothing. What's, like, what's the fallout in that situation though, if someone defaults? You lose your collateral. You lose your collateral, yeah. But who takes care of the rest? No, well, so if, like you're the, borrowing, if you're borrowing twenty, if you're borrowing twenty times what you have, who's gonna suck up the who's gonna suck up the rest? The way that uh, DeFi lending works right now is that you have to put in collateral up to two hundred percent of what you're willing to to well, take up out. Up to two hundred percent, right? Okay. So basically, oh, well, not up to, but you have to put up to two hundred percent. So like, basically, if I wanted to take out, I don't just to make it simple. Say if I wanted to take out. $10,000 and right now a Bitcoin is like 20K. I need to put in one, one, Bitcoin, one Bitcoin basically before I can gotcha. take out that 10,000. Gotcha. Yeah. So like if the price of Bitcoin crashes, if the price of Bitcoin got, goes down to say like 12K, there's a chance that I could get liquidated. So you got to get liquidated. Yeah. You got to pay, you got to pay up yeah. in that situation. Yeah. Ooh, that's tough too though, because the, the price is so volatile on these cryptos. It can, yeah. Yeah. Happened. It's happened many times already where yeah. people got, got basically, um, there's a lot of manipulation in, in the, in the cryptocurrency markets. I mean, I, uh -huh. again, you know, Royce and I look at this all the time and, you know, yeah. some of the worst uh, offenders in, in our opinion, again, we don't have any facts or anything, but just based on what mm. we see yeah. is, you know, like, you know, for example, BitMEX, some of these, uh, uh, spec, like, you know, where you can trade leveraged, uh, some of these, some of these sites or, or, uh, these products, seem like there's a lot of manipulation behind it you know you'll you'll see a, a flash crash where the price tanks and then you yeah. see a, like hundreds of million dollars get liquidated right accounts where they're you know all these loans unwind or all these bets unwind and then and then you see it come back up like you know an hour later or whatever and and it's just like how did that happen like because somebody saw something uh in the markets and then took advantage of it and liquidated all these people and yeah, made a lot right. of money there's a lot of flash crashes that happen, you know, whether it's technological reason or, or what, like there's just been a lot. And I think BitMEX is one of the more scary, uh -huh. scary products out there because they allow you to take out. Yeah. Leverage. Such a, such a high leverage over there. That's insane. That is That's insane. Yeah. I think they're actually being investigated right now. I think there's some ongoing investigation with, uh, with BitMEX. Uh, I think with the CFTC, right. I think I read about that. Um, yeah. they're, they're trying to, you know, maybe crack down on some of those practices. I don't know the details, but that's just what I read. But I mean, it makes sense because, you know, you see, you see all this manipulation happening uh, in the crypto space and it's because it's so centralized. You know, there's a mm -hmm. lot of, there's a few people with a lot of Bitcoin. Correct. Um, but as, as the market kind of diversifies and the, the shareholder base or the, the uh, investment base, investor base kind of expands, I think you see more stability in price. And that's what we're seeing today, I think. That's what we're seeing today, yeah. yeah. And, you know, yeah. The industry has changed a lot in the last three to four years, right? I mean, like back in back in those days too, and earlier. I mean, it was the wild west, right? And you were you had yeah. very few people on there, very few people trading. But the ones that were trading, they had the ability, especially the earlier ones. There are people that had so many bitcoins or so many Ethereum that right. they had the ability to massively, you know, influence the market right. however they wanted to. Right. Uh, and, and there was a lot of that that was happening. You know, anytime you decentralize the uh, ownership of these coins, it's always beneficial. You reduce, you reduce the manipulation, you have more price stability. Um, you know, people who are holding these coins, they're not just here to make a quick buck. A lot of these people, they're, they're treating it like gold, right? Store value. 
Um, and, and I think that's what you're seeing today is just this kind of maturing of, of this asset uh, that, you know, just a couple, you know, two or three years ago, people thought was just like, you know, not real. Like it's just like fake money, right? Um, I don't think there's a, that perception of Bitcoin anymore. It's definitely become a more legitimate asset. And there's now, you know, industry people like, um, mm -hmm. you know, people who are well, like hedge fund managers now kind of getting into mm -hmm. it and allocating a portion of their, you know, of these, you know, billion, you know, billion dollar funds into coins with, you know, yep. exposure to Bitcoin. Um, right. And I think that's really, really good. And, 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 you know, long-term, you know, as a, as an asset class, uh, cryptocurrencies are, are, are going to grow. And that's why I think, you know, even now, like you look at Bitcoin being, you know, getting close to 16 K, we don't think that's uh, a peak for the, for the asset. You know, like we, we're very high on, for example, Ethereum, right. uh, because, you know, once they're, they're having some scaling issues with their product, because you can't really do, you can only do so much activity on it before it starts, you know, clogging up the network and transactions are taking a very long time. Right. But, you know, they're providing some solutions to it now and they're improving their scaling and coming up with the, mm -hmm. new, you know, the, the 2.0 product. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the things I think I mean, you're looking at the finance of the future. And yep. if you're a um, traditional finance company, uh, you know, you're going to be left behind. You're going to be a dinosaur soon because uh, this is this is coming, you know, uh, well, decentralized finance is coming. You're starting to see some of the some of the mainstream uh, institutions starting to invest and, and buy their own lots of Bitcoin. I mean, you know, I, I trade and I own a lot of Square shares. And I think Square, I want to say just about three weeks ago, bought about $150 million worth of Bitcoin, you yep. know, and partly because they, they traded on their Square Cash app, right? So it's, it's I, I'm guessing that that's their way of being able to create that marketplace for Bitcoin on, on their Cash well, app. Well, it's good, but... Um, or they're just investing in it. It's funny that you mentioned uh, Square because PayPal, right, uh, mm -hmm. recently announced that they're uh, allowing cryptocurrency transactions on their uh, yep. on their platform and that's pretty yep. big news i mean it drove up the price that's huge for sure yeah. that's that, huge that is big. the fintechs i mean the fintechs you see I mean, they're hitting on all cylinders really you know the, the the pandemic fits them well uh i've had to use more uh square products in my businesses because in many ways like the suite of apps that they have it's so easy to run all my business activity on it yeah, yeah. You know, as far as, as tracking my transactions making invoices, using the calendar to make all my appointments. Uh, you know, it's, it's real sticky, you know? So when I kind of see that, I'm like, you know, these guys really are the finance of the future. These guys are going up and you see guys like JP Morgan trying really hard to get out of this trading range from 90 to 104, you know, on the stock. Yeah. And yeah. With, no, with no earnings and revenue growth really right now, uh, you know, because the spreads are so bad on, on bond yields. Uh, I'm wondering when we'll see like one of those more like traditional finance companies, like a, a bank or something, make a huge investment in in Bitcoin or Ethereum or you know any cryptocurrency. Right. right? I feel like it's coming. I think I think you and Ken are right. I feel like it's coming because at some point in time you can't deny the demand. You know, I mean, for for our listeners, you know, we're we're gonna have a show where I open my first uh, my first account to trade cryptocurrency. You know, it, you know that that episode is coming soon. Where Royce is going to walk me through, uh, on quote unquote on air, setting up my account, <laughs> funding nice. funding my account, and then I'm going to make my first trade. Uh, yeah. Because you know, I mean, that's that that's I'm excited and I, I want to do it soon because Royce has been talking to me about 
you know, Ethereum 2.0. And I want to get in before that happens. I want to get in before they get their act together, you know, because I think by the time they get their act together, much like we talk about with our country here, where things seem to get more stabilized, you know, there, there's a lot of good things to come. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a lot of a lot of growth in Bitcoin and Ethereum right now. I, I know, and sure, there's other cryptocurrencies too, but you know, those are the two biggest ones, especially at the price it is now, like at, at even four hundred dollars for Ethereum. I mean, it's it's nowhere near the all-time high that it was at. Right. Whereas Bitcoin, you know, the all-time high twenty k. It's already at sixteen k. Ethereum's all-time high was uh, maybe like twelve hundred. I think I was gonna say yeah, like thirteen, thirteen hundred, yeah, something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, it's only at that. it's only at four hundred and. There's so much happening. Everything that you're talking about or everything that we're talking about with DeFi has all been built on Ethereum. I think there's always a delayed reaction with Ethereum. It's not mm -hmm. like Bitcoin where things, you know, where some news hits and then Bitcoin goes up in value. Mm -hmm. I think that's the first place people go to when they, when they think cryptocurrencies. And, sure. Uh, it's like, you know, it's digital gold. Uh, with Ethereum, it's always <laughs> a little bit delayed. I remember uh, when Ethereum... Uh, when they first had their big spike, it was, you know, they had launched some upgrades to a network and Whenever something happens with Ethereum, in my experience at least, I've seen the price kind of appreciate later. There's always a delayed reaction. So you, you'll see like, for example, if you see the, the launch of uh, phase zero of the 2.0 product, uh, I think the genesis for that is probably like in December or something like that, early December. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. You won't see a, a price jump right away. It usually happens like a few weeks later. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know why that is, but that's just mm -hmm. how it seems to happen. Mm -hmm. and, and when people catch on though, when people start understanding, maybe it's because the product is more, more complicated and the impact of these upgrades are not realized right away. Mm -hmm. um, like, for example, I think when CryptoKitties first came out, uh, it was the first smart, it was the first game built on the smart contract platform. The first mm -hmm. mainstream game, like fun, like a, it's a simple game, but it's like the first real one that they built where you can own these cats. I think, uh, Royce, you, you have a few cats yourself. I have a few cats, yeah. I don't, I don't even know the game, but <laughs> you can collect but it them. Was the first, it was the first proof of concept, right? It was the first proof of this, this you know, decentralized, uh, this world's computer, right? Where you can mm -hmm. write software on it, run it on this Ethereum platform, you know, using the, you know, the Ethereum virtual machine and create a game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's, a, it's a simple game. You know, it's just, right. you know, it's like a Tachigumi, uh, Tamaguchi game. Tamaguchi, yeah. Tamaguchi. And so it's like, okay, it's cool. A collectible game. Uh, but... The people didn't understand what what the impact or repercussions of that was until a few weeks later, and then when people really understood the power of the virtual the the virtual machine and what you could do on it, you know, writing these smart contracts, that's when you started seeing the price of Ethereum go up. Right. So I think it it takes time to people understand what the what the real impact of these upgrades are to their network because the product is so complicated and it's so powerful. Um, you know, the, the everyday person probably doesn't really understand what it really means for. Oh, uh, not even you know, close. Not yeah, even close. Exactly. I'm going to tell, tell you guys, being the one guy, the guy in this three of us that is not at all very, you know, educated in all of this. You know, when I hear stuff like blockchain, I'm like, what the fuck's a blockchain? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Like, you know, so putting it in terms of just currency and thinking about it in the way in ways of a commodity in some ways, you know, kind of like we mentioned gold because Bitcoin's easy to relate to gold because of scarcity, um, you know, the, the, and, yeah. and, you know, flight to safety kind of things. Um, as the market stabilizes, it, it becomes a lot more attractive. I mean, I kind of liken the relationship in my head between uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum to how Intel, uh, Intel was before 
and how AMD and NVIDIA was reinventing themselves, inventing themselves. And here we are now where AMD and NVIDIA, you know, are, are taking over the semiconductor market and Intel's kind of the story of yesterday. Uh, and not to say that's going to happen to Bitcoin, but it's from everything you guys are saying, Ethereum's building the foundations for the future of cryptocurrency. So at some point in time, like, why can't it be the, the, the NVIDIA or the AMD of, of the crypto world? Yeah, yeah. And, and here's interesting. Here's the interesting thing, right? Like, you know, if you think of Ethereum as a programming language, um, you know, people don't understand programming that well. But when they see what you can build with that program, that programming language, when you see the product, right? then you see the power of that programming language, right? So like CryptoKitty was, was an example of someone taking this language and building something out of it, right? And now you're seeing much more complicated products like you know, this decentralized finance. You, know, you see compound finance, you see all these DeFi you know, uh, mm -hmm. you know, platforms being built out mm -hmm. of Ethereum, you know, these stable mm -hmm. coins, you know, Tether. Mm -hmm. They're all running on the Ethereum virtual machine, right? They're all mm -hmm. basically products that come out of this programming language. Mm -hmm. and uh, now that this language is evolving, you know, because you're launching a 2.0 of this product where you can do even right. more, more things with it. Um, it's going to take people time to figure out like, what can I build with it? And when they see what they can build with it, that's when you're going to see the price appreciation come, you know, follow. And that's why I said like, there's always a delay with, mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when something happens with Ethereum, because it takes time for people to see the power kind of being displayed. In the, in the form of a product, in the form of something that people can understand, right? Mm -hmm. People can interact with. Because mm -hmm. when you see a right. program, you can't interact with it, right? right. Like, what, like, they don't understand what, what these programming, uh, you know, constructs are. Not but at when all. you see an actual product, <laughs> that's different, right? Correct. Correct. But I think that's what drew us to Ethereum in the first place was the power that's around this, this platform. It's programmable money, right? Smart contracts. Right. Anything that you could do, you could make automated payments, you could do automated organizations, the whole DAO. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that you can do. The potential is so big. Uh, and that's kind of what drew us, I think, to Ethereum in the first place. Mm -hmm. And seeing that potential, I mean, the, the, the knock all against it has always been that, you know, it hasn't been scalable. Uh, and that's been the biggest problem. Whenever there's been a, a lot of usage on Ethereum, it's, it's crippled the network. It's made it so that transactions that you want to push through could take hours and even days because mm -hmm. it just couldn't handle the volume. But mm -hmm. with Ethereum 2 coming out now, a lot of that, you know, scalability concerns are going to go away. And that really paves the way for a, a lot more usage and a lot more, I think, innovation on, on the platform. And, and that's something that's mm -hmm. going to be really interesting going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what people can build with Ethereum 2.0. Like, mm -hmm. that's what I'm looking forward to. Like, what is the next killer app that's going to come yeah. from the existence of the 2.0 product, right? Like when, when you see, you know, Serenity finally get launched who's going to build something that's just going to blow people away. And when they do, you're going to see Ethereum's native coin go up. You know, mm -hmm. that that's when it, that's when you're going to see the price of the Ethereum coin skyrocket is when people what? start demonstrating the real mm -hmm. power of that of that right. concept of that, you know, virtual machine of the of the language that you can you, know, you can use to to write stuff, right? Well, yeah. What do you guys um, think what do you guys think will be that product that someone some layman can that's not a tech person that can relate to uh, that would make them It'll, it'll kind of make them perk up and be like, man, this, this Ethereum thing or this cryptocurrency thing is a real deal. 
what would be a real world kind of application that, that that someone walking the streets would be like, oh crap, this was built on cryptocurrency? What do you guys think that would look like? What do you think that would be? I think it's going to be related to commerce. Like, I think it, it will be a commerce app. Mm-hmm. It'll be something, you know, with transactions and commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, because right now people haven't really built that because it doesn't really scale very well. Um, right. You know, if you build entire shopping portals mm-hmm. uh, on a, you know, on Ethereum mm-hmm. and, you know, have everything like run your own little decentralized store. I think that's really interesting. I mean, I, I don't <laughs> know if someone will build crazy. that someday. Yeah. 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 Imagine building like a decentralized Amazon or, or oh, you know, am- opening your own shops right. and connecting to other shops. Uh, right. on the, I mean, I don't know. Right. I mean, that's just, that's just speculation. I have no idea if anyone can actually build this, but that would be really interesting is like running your own decentralized shops. Oh, there's actually, so there's actually a, a, a project that's actually building that uh, origin. Hey, Jess. Hey, Jess. Uh, you can, yeah. You can. <laughs> so I, I don't know if, how much you uh, follow origin at uh, origin protocol or whatever, but, they're building like uh, a Shopify for oh, interesting. Uh, on Ethereum. Yeah. And that so you can, actually, you can actually start up your shop. They actually have a partnership with Google where you can open up your shop and it runs on the uh, Google cloud infrastructure. Uh, yeah. I think that's, uh, yeah. I think that like that kind of stuff is super interesting. Cause like, it is. if you look at like one of the big problems right now with, you know, like privacy is, is a big concern right now on the internet, right? Like yeah. Facebook, uh, you know, Instagram, all these, you know, social media platforms, Privacy is always a big concern, right? And censorship, right? You know, you talk about, you know, the, the Congress has recently called in like, you know, Zuckerberg and, you know, Jack Dorsey and, you know, yeah. the, talking to them about like censorship, you know, you're yeah. censoring all the conservative views. Um, I think one of the things that I think can come out of like something like Ethereum 2.0 is a decentralized, censor-proof, private uh, social network of some kind, you know, mm-hmm. where, where there isn't a Facebook, there isn't a... Twitter, but you could still express your views. You could still have access to other people's information, right? And so, I, I, I mean, obviously, you can't do that today. Because, well, maybe you can do it today, but um, I, so no, one, no one's done it yet. But I think that's where the future is with, with blockchain. Yeah, right? you, you can definitely do that. I mean, I think Jack Dorsey has actually commissioned the team at Twitter to investigate oh, yeah. building a version of Twitter on a decentralized platform like well, Ethereum. And always remember, Jack Dorsey is also the CEO of Square. So, yeah. you know, he's very, tie- he's very tied into all of this, right? At the same time, he has a vested interest. I think decentralized finance too. I think all these DeFi apps, I mean, I definitely think that there's a lot of room for growth uh, for those platforms as well. I mean, we talked about other, other things too, like basically like whenever I carry uh, money in my wallet, like if I have digital currency and it's in my digital wallet, there's no reason I shouldn't be earning interest on it just because it's sitting in my wallet doesn't, and not in the bank doesn't mean that it shouldn't be earning interest. And I think that's one of the things that is going to drive DeFi in the future or just finance on these platforms in the future on Ethereum is the ability to do all these things that traditional finance right now just can't do. Mm-hmm. Well, Ken, are we holding you up, man? I know originally you're only going to be here for half an hour. It's been an hour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, yeah, I probably should get going, but, um, yeah, I mean, is there anything? I mean, any last thing you want to talk about? I mean, I got maybe like five, five, ten minutes if you want to no, talk I mean, about anything. I, I, no, I think that's good. We'll, we'll, we'll obviously have you back. Obviously, the yeah. conversation <laughs> went well. I mean, you know, we it flowed so so smoothly and easily outside of Royce's, you know, Except my internet connections <laughs> <laughs> and your dog, your dog. Uh, yeah, my dog. You know, <laughs> he wanted Je- to be in the podcast. No, Jasper makes an Jasper appearance. Always wants to be in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, he makes an appearance every episode, so it's okay. <laughs> If you have me on next time, I got to tell you the story of one of my 
one of my favorite hustles at a uh, commerce casino. So we got that to look forward to. Oh, we definitely, we oh, definitely have to do that. Best one. Look at Ken. You know, look at Ken on his first episode. What's that? <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Maybe even, maybe we could even do it in Vegas next weekend. I don't oh. think I could pull it off, but I'll tell you how this guy pulled it off. It's just it's amazing. Like that's what I mean by hustling. It's not even about the cards. It's nothing to no, do with the cards. Not at all. It's not about at the all. people. It's, just, it's, it's a about, hustle. It's all hustle. It's messing messing with people, man. Oh, that's gosh. all you do it. So messed up. So messed yep. up. But all right. Well, th- you know, thanks guys for having me on. I I know that's been fun. So yeah, I look forward to the next time we can talk. No, it's uh, great I'll having you, man. You on, man. Yep. All right, dude. Have a good night, guys. All right, have a good night. I hope everybody out there that's listening to this found that interesting, stimulating, educational, and entertaining. I mean, I, I know it was for me to listen to two, the two of you talk about crypto. I mean, I, I'm excited to get my account started and uh, get rolling here. Um, you know, I, I watched the movement in Ethereum. I mean, yeah, I moved 50 bucks in the last two days. But, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's yeah. but at the same time, it's at the beginning of the move here. I, I, I don't have this FOMO where, like, oh, my God, I got to get in, like, right now but I want to get in soon. And I think that's a good lesson for everyone that gets into investing. Like if you missed a run, you missed a run, you know, wait for your openings, be patient, you know, don't, don't chase stuff constantly. Like, you know, would you chase Bitcoin at 16,000 right now? Eh, history has shown we'll get something that probably brings it down a little bit. And if you really want to get in, buy a small amount and buy the rest later. Yeah. There's, there's always going to be opportunities. I mean, I think the one thing that I've learned is that, for every opportunity that you miss, there's another opportunity right around the corner. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with that, Royce, I guess uh, we should sign off and let you go to bed because you have a big fishing trip going on tomorrow. Big fishing trip tomorrow in five hours. Okay. Yeah, so we're gonna we're probably just going to have our, our picks up this weekend then. We're probably not going to do a show on our picks. Uh, I, it would be my guess. Um, so yeah. I'll probably be putting our, our picks on our, our picks for NFL week nine are going to be posted on our Instagram page at voices for blogging. Check it out. Follow us. Uh, Royce is going to make a huge comeback on his uh, NFL picks. Oh, yeah. Lord knows he needs one. Yeah. He's two and he's, he's two and five. He, he needs to pick it up. He's making my record look I'm, bad. I'm so, going back down. I'm going to one pick uh, a week. <laughs> I'm on probation. Uh, I'll I'll find three. I'll I'll put I'll I'll bring us forward here with three of them. Putting on myself. Uh, on <laughs> <laughs> I have to. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, Royce, it was great talking again as always. Um, yep. Look forward to the next episode. Uh, the episode where uh, we start my crypto account. Uh, it's gonna be real fun. It's gonna be exciting, especially when it goes up. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. That's gonna be our travel fun one day, buddy. Yep. All right. All right. Well, with, with that, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, check out our Instagram page, Voices for Blogging, and check us out at Apple Podcasts and on the Podbean app. With that, that's all I got. Aloha. All I got. All right. Bye.